0: So it's Friday night, 6 p.m. You're tuned into Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie. We are definitely live. Going to start the show off with a little three days grace with a song called The Good Life. And as always, if you're going to listen to my show, make sure you have a good stereo. Here we go, and welcome to the show. Three Days Grace with a song called The Good Life. And once again, you're tuned in to Louie Lavin and your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. It's Friday night. Hope you're out of work by now, or if you're close to it. Getting ready to go home and maybe get cleaned up and go out and eat some good dinner. And maybe go see a movie or go out and listen to some music somewheres. Maybe have a cocktail or two. All in moderation, folks. That's what I always say. That way you don't feel so bad when you wake up tomorrow morning with a hangover. That's for sure. So, my show... is a music and talk radio show. I've been an independent all my life. So, what you're listening to is my independent opinion of Vermont affairs, national affairs, and... Worldly Affairs, so we hit them all by the end of the show, which is on for two hours every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. You can also go on Facebook, search for my group, Louie Live, ask to join. I accept everybody, and I encourage everyone to come and join to showcase your music, give your opinions. If you ever want to come on the show, just give me a holler. We have people that do that once in a while. Playing their music here in the studio down on Flint Avenue in Burlington, Vermont. I tell you, the walls get to and Definitely wakes everybody up in the studio, that's for sure. So, I'll start it off with a local article that I saw here about the Burlington Marys hosting a housing summit the other night. Says affordable housing in Burlington has taken leaps in the right direction over the years, but still has a long way to go. Well, everybody knows that there's basically no housing in the Burlington area or throughout Chittenden County. And when you do find it, a lot of the houses are about a hundred years old and they're full of lead paint and asbestos. A lot of places, these apartments don't even have a doorbell for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. I tell my wife, if we didn't live in the city of Burlington, and we drove through the North Street section, which looks like a slum, and is. I'm not cutting down the city of Burlington, folks, but just telling it the way it is. You drive through Riverside Avenue, a lot of houses over there, pretty much. No, you're driving through the ghetto. Same thing with the King Street area. If you drive through the hill section, that's where a lot of the more educated, more financially set off people live. But that's where also most of the college students live, in apartments. And it can get pretty rowdy in that section of town, especially when the bars get out at night and students are walking home through your neighborhood, and you get a lot of complaints from people saying how these students, they get out of the bars, they're drunk, they're hooting and hollering, screaming, urinating on your lawn, taking the dump on your lawn. (laughs) Doing what students who are drunk out of their minds have been doing for generations. Then you have the new North End where I live. It's not so new anymore. It's probably about, eh, a lot of it was built in the 60s, I would say. But it's probably the best section to live in Burlington. Where a lot of family homes are. It's quieter down there. But I'll tell you something, folks. For as long as I've lived down there, I locked the car doors every single night. But one time I had my wife's car and I forgot to lock the doors. And when we woke up the next morning, I went outside and the passenger door was open. And somebody had emptied the glove compartment onto the passenger's front seat and stole my prescription sunglasses. Wouldn't have done them a bit of good. But just to be a bunch of jerks, I guess, right? They stole my prescription sunglasses. But that goes to prove, even though you live in the better section of town, it shows that somebody goes down our street every single night and checks all the doors on cars to see if they're locked or not. Somebody's territory, I suppose. So like I was saying, if you weren't from Vermont and you were driving through Burlington, you would think that the whole town basically is a slum. And you would definitely have the doors of your car locked. That's what I tell my wife. and She says, you are absolutely right, Louie, as always. So just a little heads up to you folks that some people think Vermont is a perfect little picture postcard scenario where the maple syrup comes right out of the trees for free and it does come out of the trees for free but then again you turn around and they're charging like $50 for a gallon maple syrup outrageous huh? outrageous sugaring is not what it used to be either folks You don't see these horses going through the woods and buckets all over the trees and you have to dump them into the big container and then bring them down to the sugar house and then put it all in the tanks and then boil it off. It's not like that no more, folks. Now it's all hoses strung to trees, hooked up to a siphoning pump, which literally sucks the tap out of the trees a lot of times and right down to the sugar house. I just kind of wonder how that is for animals out in the woods. Let's say, for instance, a deer is being chased by some koi dogs, or a bear or something, or a bobcat. Must be hard for the deer to get away when all the trees are strung with hosing to draw the sap out of the trees. Not good for the wildlife, I don't think. So anyway, back to, uh, like I was saying, affordable housing in Burlington has taken leaps in the right direction, it says, over the years, but still has a long way to go. Well, yes, sir. Most definitely it does have a long, long way to go. So Tuesday at the housing summit at City Hall, participants focused on five key areas to make the rental market more affordable. Accessory drilling units, parking minimums, housing trust funds, short-term rentals, and energy efficiency were the main topics. We're in short going to need to put the needs of the community for new homes over the individual private needs of those who want to protect their views, their peak property value, or other private interests, said Burlington Mayor Miro Weinberger, who has made housing a key priority during his life in office. And he's also a real estate speculator folks. Guest speakers including Minneapolis City Council President Lisa Bender offered examples of how other cities are tackling the challenge. We've reformed parking requirements. We are investing millions of dollars into affordable housing and really we're trying hard to make sure that our city grows And we don't leave members of our community behind, Bender said. Like other cities. Say like San Francisco and Los Angeles. Where it's so darn expensive to live that you need like a master's degree or a PhD to live there. Otherwise, if you're an average Joe, you can go live out in the streets. And we've seen that throughout parts of Los Angeles. And there's a lot of that here here in Vermont too, folks. People are homeless because they have no place to live. Because there is no place to live. Or because you can't afford to live someplace even if you find a place. Or they do a background check on you and your credit's not up to par. So they won't rent you the apartment for that reason also. There's many reasons. So you go live out into the street. And we've seen pictures all over the social media about people going to the bathroom right out in the street in broad daylight. Right in front of restaurants. You know, you could say, I like to come in and use your bathroom to a restaurant. And they'll say, unless you bought something here, you can't use the bathroom. And that happened with Starbucks not Mm -hmm. too long ago. Before, you'd have to buy something to use the bathroom. There's other restaurants like that too. So, if you're homeless, you don't have any money to buy anything in Starbucks, especially a $5 $5 coffee, which is outrageous. Personally, I don't think Starbucks coffee is good at all. Myself, I like French roast coffee. And Starbucks sells it. But not over the counter at their coffee shops. They have like a dark roast coffee. And to me, I've had it a couple times and it tastes burnt. So, is it worth $5 a coffee? Definitely not, folks. You can go to other stores like Cumberland Farms and they charge 99 cents for a coffee or a fountain drink. And you can use the bathroom. But now, Starbucks has changed the policy where you can use the bathroom. But like I was saying, it's always been the philosophy of this great country of ours that you could get a job somewhere, start at the bottom, work your way to the top. But now, more and more people are becoming educated, and they've developed an attitude. A lot of people think that manual labor is beneath them. A lot of people won't work on their cars, they won't clean their house, they won't mow their lawn, they won't walk their dog. seems like the more money you get and the more education you get, the lazier you become. So the people that don't have a college degree, they can knock on their door and say, oh, that'll be $100 to mow your lawn. And a person of the house will say, when can you start? It's amazing, isn't it? A lot of people have developed the philosophy that if for some reason, you know, they think that everybody... Some way or another should go to college. Hell or high water. Some people don't want to go to college. But some people have developed the philosophy that if for some reason you didn't go to college and get an education, then you are destined to be poverty stricken for the rest of your life. And it's your own fault. Because you did not go through college. That's not right, folks. If you listen to Rush Limbaugh, he was going to college. His goal was to get out of college and get a job working at a radio station. Well, he was going to college and he got a job working at a radio station. So he went home and told his parents, I dropped out of college. Why should I go to college? to get a job at a radio station when I've already got one. And look how successful Rush Limbaugh is. I saw a guy on television one time. This was years ago, but at the time he was the richest man in the world. made himself that way through real estate and mostly through hotels. And he said that he had never hired anybody with a college degree because it was his philosophy that you would start at one of his hotels at the bottom and work your way to the top and that way when you get to the top you deserve being there because you knew everything about working at that hotel and if anybody should call in sick or go on vacation or be injured you could fill it for them regardless of what their position was. Very smart man. Some people, they think, hey, I got a college degree. Here I am. They say, okay, the government's going to subsidize me somehow to hire you. They do that a lot with elderly, veterans, minorities, and I'm sure they do it with college people. They're subsidized to hire you regardless of what your situation is they say go sit in that cubicle over there you're hired and a lot of people what they do now because the production has actually shifted out of the United States thanks to NAFTA which was signed into law by Bill Clinton what a lot of people do now is they don't do production so they go to meetings And they set up meetings. And they think about meetings in the future. Or they're sitting in their cubicle all day watching YouTube videos. You ever wondered how you can go onto YouTube and there's a video of a goldfish swimming around a tank and it's had 10 million views? Who are these 10 million people they have the time to sit around all day looking at a goldfish swimming around a tank proves me right there doesn't it folks proves me right but it's a good thing that the mayor is talking about building more affordable housing this article right here Mm-hmm. says a developer eyes abandoned Shelburne Motel for new housing. And it starts off by saying, could more housing be coming to Chittenden County? Question mark. As of our Ike Ben David learned, a developer is looking at land in Shelburne along one of Vermont's busiest roads. Just off of Route 7 is Winter Haven Road. The private street hosts a small community which has tried to stay hidden. A lot of people don't know that this neighborhood actually is back there. They come and say, oh, I never even knew this was here, said resident Dave Whittle. But our front along Route 7 is an abandoned hotel. In its glory days, the Yankee Doodle Motel had more than a dozen rooms. It's been shut down for years, leaving neighbors to ask, what's next? Well, it's an eyesore, Whittle said and it's for sure a hazard the way it is now, said Brianna Kim, a neighbor. There is obviously a need for housing in Vermont, said Dean Pierce, the director of planning and zoning in Shelburne. And Pierce says a developer is in the early steps of an application to turn a property into housing. It would be two buildings, each with 24 units, for residents 55 and up, which they definitely don't really have housing for people 55 up throughout the Burlington area. So that's desperately needed. And it says as well as a third building with 15 units, which won't be for 50 people and up. It'll be basically open to anyone who needs an apartment, which is also good. 15 units there open to the public. It says these are the two buildings that have age restrictions. The middle one does not. Pierce said the development would also create dozens of underground parking spots. And he says, I'm not aware of any other location with beneath building parking in Shelburne. We definitely need that in Vermont, folks, because we get a lot of snow sometimes. And if you get in to be an elderly situation, one thing you don't want to do is... Go out and shovel two feet of snow when you're 70 years old. So that's a definitely a plus right there underground parking. He says although the development is months away from approval, those who live nearby are concerned about the possibility of the extensive construction and the traffic the new property could bring. Well, of course, they're concerned about construction and traffic anyone who's ever driven down Route 7 into the little town of Shelburne experiences their one traffic light when you come into town and a lot of times the vehicles are backed up at the light all the way down to Karen's body shop probably close to a mile isn't that insane All these years, they've never done anything about the traffic congestion down there. Maybe they should think about having a rotary. A lot of the towns have rotaries now. Winooski has one. Works pretty good. Something for them to consider. But, definitely shouldn't be complaining about housing. Because we don't have any. and Especially for People 55 and up. So we're going to go to a song right now. Mm -hmm. And this is from a band called Rise Against. And the name of the song is Ready to Fall. against with a song called Ready to Fall. I like that song. They're a good band. I wish they would come to this area so we could go see them. But Burlington doesn't really have any place that can host a band that would draw a crowd that size. We used to have some good concerts at the Memorial Auditorium but that place has been closed for years. Sitting there empty. City has no money. To renovate it or tear it down, just like the Moran plant on the waterfront, been burnt, sitting there empty, for about fifty years. City has no money to renovate it, tear it down. But the city has money for bicycle lanes. That's for sure. You know, we have maybe three months out of the year here in Vermont that's good weather for riding a bicycle they have bike lanes all over town a lot of people can't park in front of their house now because of the bicycle lanes not good situation folks potholes all over the streets because of the weather and because we don't have any money to repair the streets so people aren't going to ride their bicycles in a lane full of potholes So they'll just ride in the road like they do. There's a lot of sections in the city of Burlington where the bicycle lane is actually wider than the lane for the vehicle. And the perfect example of that is on North Avenue. But like I say, folks, don't take my word for it. Get in your vehicle, drive around town. You know what we're talking about here. This article right here Says flashing lights at the crosswalks face opposition in Norwich, Vermont. Some residents of a Vermont village are objecting to the planned installation of flashing lights at certain crosswalks, saying they're unnecessary and will detract from the community's charm. Isn't that one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard? A flashing light at a crosswalk? Will detract from the community's charm. They used to always say that about different things, like cell towers, for instance. People would fight putting a cell tower on the side of the road,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're like maybe ten feet tall. And they would even disguise these as a pine tree, for crying out loud. And you drive it down the road, you couldn't even see it. It was so far into the woods, or it was Disguised as a pine tree. But people would go to court and fight these cell towers tooth and nail. And people would freeze to death in their vehicles on the side of the road waiting for help in some situations, especially over in the Adirondack Mountains. You can go through the Adirondack Mountains, folks, and you'll come to an intersection. It'll say the next road is like 28 miles. And for 28 miles, there's absolutely nothing. There might be a little Pull over, for your vehicle. Pull over there and maybe eat lunch or something. But there's no houses because it's a state park. There's no cell towers. You could break down in the wintertime. Could be like thirty below zero or whatever. You could sit there, till you literally froze to death in your vehicle, waiting for help. That's happened numerous times. But people, for some reason they allow these solar farms all over the fields throughout Vermont. Ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. Solar panels in the winter time in Vermont with two feet of snow on them. What type of electricity are they generating in the winter time with two feet of snow? Or even if they don't have any snow, for about nine months out of the year in Vermont, It's gloomy and dark. gets dark like around 3.30 in the afternoon. Seems like an unnecessary evil in the state of Vermont. And then you have wind turbines sitting on the mountaintops. These big, ugly wind turbines. Some of them are like 400 feet tall. And you'll see them sitting there. Not turning. Not generating at electricity. You can go through parts of New York. And there's nothing for miles but wind turbines. And it's creepy when you're driving through it. And a lot of these turbines are just sitting there and they're all not even moving. You might have one or two that's just barely turning. Seems like antiquated technology to me, folks. Kind of reminds me of like Ponce de Dion on a donkey charging at the windmills. We're in the 21st century, folks. I think we have the capability technology-wise to be way beyond windmills. So like I was saying, some residents of the Vermont village of Norwich are objecting to the planned installation of flashing lights at certain crosswalks, saying they're unnecessary and will detract from the community's charm. That's a bunch of BS folks, especially in a small little town like Norwich. Opponents of the plan to add the pedestrian activated signs in Norwich say there's plenty of places to safety cross streets, and that roadsides already have too many signs. Well, there are plenty of places to cross the street, folks. But unless you're at a crosswalk, it's called jaywalking. And especially at nighttime, or even, like I said, during the daytime here in Vermont, a lot of times the sun doesn't even come out. And it's just dark and gloomy all day after day, after week, after month. Because that's how the weather is in Vermont, folks. About nine months out of the year, it's cold, dark, and there's not a lot to do either, but look out the window waiting for spring. And that's why you see a lot of examples lately where people are walking down Route 7 on Shelburne Road, crossing the road in the dark, they're not on a crosswalk, and they get hit by a vehicle. You're up against a 2,000-pound vehicle, folks, at the minimum. You're not going to win. And I think these people have the audacity to complain about putting some lights in at a crosswalk in a little town like Norwich, Vermont. It says, town officials say safety improvements are needed along Main Street, which sees... 1,800 vehicles a day, according to the Vermont Agency of Transportation. Some residents argue there isn't enough traffic to warn the signs, and that money is being spent on unnecessary infrastructure projects. Well, you know folks, remember when Obama was a president and he set aside over a trillion dollars for projects just like this? He called them shovel ready projects. Repairing the roads, repairing the bridges. But that didn't happen, folks. And where that trillion dollars went to, God only knows. So it says the signs are scheduled to be installed this summer and have been partially funded by two grants from VTrans. That's how Vermont is. You want something as simple as some lights at a crosswalk and you've got people that will fight it in court for as long as they're breathing. It's outrageous. The Southern Connector on Pine Street has been in the plans for about 60 years now. And it's still not built. And we have received... Millions and millions and millions of dollars of federal money and state money studying this Southern Connector just pissed away. Gone. Nothing to show for it. And now, Mira Weinberger, who's like on his third term as mayor, promised from day one that he would get the Southern Connector built. On the second term, he says all the pieces were in place to build this other connector. But then you have these people come forward filing lawsuits against the city, seeing how the plans are now outdated, which they are because they've been fighting this for like 60 years. And now it's being challenged in court again. Mayor Mira Weinberger was on the news just the other day saying how They've got the green light to start building the side of the connector. So they put the job out to bid. So these construction companies will have the right to bid on it. Then they'll decide which one to go with. And there you go. Out from under their rocks. Crawls these people. To challenge it in court again. They're not happy with the plans. Even though they're updated. Could be another 60 years, folks, before the Southern Connector is actually built. And part of it is built down by Shelburne Road. But it's just been sitting there doing nothing for like the last 25 years. And it's become a parking lot for the people that work at Howard Mental Health. beyond believable folks like I say when you leave Vermont you go out into the real world where things actually happen where you can actually go see a concert or go see a professional football game or baseball or basketball none of that in Vermont folks and it probably never will be not in my lifetime anyway This article right here, lawsuit challenges playing for traffic cameras in New Hampshire. Here they come, the American Civil Liberties Union of New Hampshire has sued the city of Manchester over playing traffic surveillance cameras, saying the cameras would violate a state privacy act. The ACLU said the law disallows cameras that capture a driver's identifying information such as their face or license plate. What's the big deal about that so they capture your license plate? It is registered. It is legal, supposedly. So what's the problem? The suit filed this past Tuesday in Hillsborough County Superior Court said the installation plans include three permanent surveillance cameras in the area of City Hall that would look north and south on Elm Street. A live feed would be transmitted to the Manchester Police Department's dispatch office. around the mayor's office. Sounds like some people are paranoid, afraid to be seen around the mayor's office. That's what's going on there in New Hampshire, I wonder. That would make people so paranoid that they don't want their vehicle recognized driving around the mayor's office. Maybe they're there to throw eggs on the building or something juvenile like that, right? Let's go to another song here. This one is by the Stone Temple Pilots, and it's called, believe it or not, Dead and Bloated. Must be talking about politicians, wouldn't you say? Was Stone Temple Pilots once again? You're tuned in to Louie Live, and I'm your host Louie, and we are definitely live. Hopefully, you're out of work for the week and you're getting ready to go out and unwind a little bit, maybe eat some good food, see a movie, have a cocktail or two, go out and do a little dancing. We are down to uh, Church Street last weekend, in Burlington, at the Jazz Festival, a lot of different bands playing down there at the Red Square, some good music, it's nice to just walk around Church Street, everybody's out there, it's summertime, everybody's feeling good, I saw this article right here and it says uh, research gathered Vermont water quality baseline data. Improving water quality in Lake Champlain and its tributaries is one of Vermont's most pressing issues. New research wrapping up this week aims to see how Vermont stacks up against other states. Brush Brook in Huntington is flowing freely from recent rains and it's the last site of a two-year study. What we do is we go out and we look at the biological health in streams throughout the entire state, said Heather Pembroke, who is leading the research for the State Department of Environmental Conservation. This is tremendous, beautiful stream right here, she says, and we think, no problem, we're better than the rest of the country, it's no big deal. But what we're finding is that even though these waters are in good condition, they're starting to slip. Really, two-year study, and that's the conclusion that Heather Pembroke comes up with, who is the leading research for the State Department of Environmental Conversation. Well, you know, Miss Pembroke, if. Uh, you turned on the news once in a while or took a gander throughout social media or listened to my show, you'd realize that different towns throughout the state of Vermont have been dumping tens of millions of gallons of raw sewage into your tributaries leading into Lake Champlain. Seems like For quite a while, I was reading an article every week how the city of Burlington would dump 11 million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers and into Lake Champlain. 11 million gallons of raw sewage at one time. I didn't even know the city of Burlington had tanks with that capacity. That's huge, isn't it? 11 million gallons of raw sewage got dumped into Lake Champlain at one time another week I would read an article the city of Wadooski would dump 2 million gallons of raw sewage into the rivers which goes into Lake Champlain then you have St. Albans and I'm not even talking about the other side of the lake over in Plattsburgh or Ticonderoga or whatnot. I've estimated that the articles that I read added together they dumped approximately 100 million gallons of raw sewage that ended up in Lake Champlain over the last year. Isn't that amazing folks? And then you have people like Heather Pembroke I don't know what she has a degree in. She's the leading of the research for the State Department of Environmental Conservation. Conservation. Yes, sir. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out, does it folks? What are they gonna do to correct this? I don't know. It's like I said. I'm going to be 60 years old. Lived in Vermont pretty much my entire life. And I don't recall seeing any articles anywhere about any cities throughout the state of Vermont upgrading the sewage treatment plants. Have you? find it insulting to the integrity of the people of Vermont and the people that visit the state and love this state that city officials would dump 100 million gallons of raw sewage into the lake and turn and look the other way you know this is the water that we swim in the water that comes into our house that we drink that we cook with that we bathe with you bathe your little children in this water it's obscene isn't it where does the money go folks where does it go they want to slap all these taxes on everybody to help clean up the lake You have to start upgrading the sewage treatment plants. It's just common sense. You need to write a letter to your local and state politicians. You need to call them. You need to go to meetings. And you're gonna say, what is the matter with you people? Have you lost your minds telling us that the water situation in Vermont is good? but it's starting to slip. Really? We've dumped 100 million gallons of raw sewage into the lake just this last year. And I'm sure it's been a lot more than that. This is just what I've read on this show right here. (laughs) Tired to believe, isn't it? Instead, they spend your money on bicycle lanes. That crazy, Uh, where do you go from there, huh? Maybe we should switch over to the New York side. I saw this article, it says uh, New York set to cut religious exemption to vaccine mandates, and they're poised to eliminate a religious exemption vaccine requirements in the face of its worst measles outbreaks in decades and they should folks because diseases like measles haven't been in the United States in about 50 years because everybody is vaccinated when they go to school they have to be vaccinated but some people are claiming it's against their religion well it's not really anybody's against anybody's religion from the United States I don't recall anyone ever saying oh it's against my Catholic religion or it's against my Protestant religion or it's against my Baptist religion. Seems to me it's people coming in from the outside folks and they don't want to be vaccinated. So people look the other way. And then people are dying from measles and smallpox and tuberculosis and diphtheria. And now you're seeing Throughout these homeless communities, in Los Angeles, California, for instance, they've discovered typhoid and the Black Plague. You know these are the diseases that killed pretty much everybody throughout Europe hundreds of years ago, and now it's back. Do you believe that in the 21st century, these diseases like the Black? plague are back throughout the streets of Los Angeles, California the richest state in the United States it's hard to believe similar exemptions are allowed in 46 states though lawmakers in several states are also considering the elimination of the waiver it's insane folks Hundreds of parents of unvaccinated children gathered at New York's Capitol before the vote to protest what several called an assault on religious freedom. Well, we can't afford to risk a plague and millions of people die because of somebody's religious beliefs. You have to think of the good of the whole nation before the religious beliefs of a few